Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. A couple of weeks on and Great Britain is still basking in the success of Andy Murray's US Open title, us included. Now his Olympic mixed doubles partner Laura Robson's back in the limelight and in episode 13 we hear from her coach Yelko Kryan who we spoke to in New York last month and we assess Robson's prospects right here on the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Tennis Podcast. I'm David Law, a commentator for BBC Radio 5 Live, amongst other things. And I'm joined, as usual, by Catherine Whittaker. Catherine, how are you doing? I am doing very well indeed. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm really well, really well, despite the fact that we've had more rainfall today in England than most of my childhood. It's been that kind of day here in the West Midlands. Uh, I don't know what it is like where you are, but it's been pouring down here. It's been the sort of day um, that makes you look forward to the Australian Open, hasn't it? Yes, that's right. Well, we're both going to be going in January, aren't we? Lucky. Sorry, podcast listeners. Uh, I know we're, you're hating us just at the moment, but I'm going to be there for the BBC and Catherine's going to be there working for the tournament. Uh, it's great, isn't it? Uh, anyway... Well, despite the weather, um, we have some good news, don't we? Because Great Britain are officially the champions of the tennis world. Uh, we have a US Open singles, men's singles title winner in Andy Murray. We have the doubles winner at Wimbledon in Johnny Murray. We have Laura Robson, who reached a final of a women's WTA tournament last uh, last week uh, in a place I'm, I'm not going to try and pronounce. Can you have a go, Catherine? Guangzhou. There you go. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, and uh, and Heather Watson today beat Sabine Lizicki yeah. um, in the tournament in Tokyo, and she qualified as well. So we're we're on a roll. Uh, I've got another one to add to that. Britain's Junior Davis Cup team are about to embark upon their um, title defence, aren't they? So yeah, we've even got yeah, up and comers. Uh, uh, they're coming at us from all angles. We're enjoying this, but on um, on a serious note, I mean Laura Robson last week she was very very impressive and what particularly impressed me was the fact that she's picked up you know straight off the back of of where she left off at the US Open I mean you know she beat Kim Kleister's Lienar and then uh, and then went down in a close match to Samantha Stosa in a match that that 
it reminded me of that match in the one she played a couple of days ago against Su Wei Shui. You know, the, the, the fact that she had loads of match points against her, saved them and, and kept fighting. I mean, that, that was a really, really positive match that she played and a positive tournament. Yeah, if anything, in terms of her development and her reaching her potential, I think the result last week in Guangzhou was more significant or at least as significant as her result at the US Open because you see a lot of players that have a run um, at a major tournament, you know, with a big spotlight um, on them. And then they sort of, I mean, who knows what's going on in their minds, but you almost sort of think they're sort of standing back and admiring their achievement and failing to capitalise on it. You know, I remember in the podcast a couple of weeks ago making the comparison with Melanie Uden and, you know, what she done since her fantastic run at the USA. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, um, She's had a terrible time of it, hasn't she? I mean, she, yeah. she started to make a bit of a comeback now, but I mean, she had an awful run, I remember reading. You know, I was one of the interesting things about being at the US Open were, was talking to, to my American colleagues and, and how many of them are just watching Uden's um, results and thinking, you know, just please come on, put something together and because she just lost it completely. And yet when she reached, I think she reached the quarterfinals at the US Open, didn't she? Yeah. And it was so inspiring. People were talking about comparisons to her and Jennifer Capriati and, and even Chris Everett. And, you know, and it just hasn't happened for her since. But there's no suggestion of a fall away like that for Robson. Absolutely. And, and that's what's most important, I think. And I think her her new coach, um, Jelko Cryan, has a lot to do with that. I know we've you've spoken to him very recently and we've we've got. Uh, yeah, he's coming, coming up. up on the podcast very soon. Yeah, I think he um, I think he has a lot to do with that. I don't know if um, if you agree there. No, he's a, he's a man to be reckoned with is uh, is Jelko uh, Cryan. But I mean, what what particularly impressed me about Robson was you know she went over there, high humidity very very hot temperatures and she was just highly professional throughout and she looked like she looked like a tennis player she didn't didn't look like a junior yeah and i and i think the 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 biggest difference i've said this before i hope i'm not becoming a boy is just her movement because her game's always been there she's obviously a fantastic shot maker you know great all the components but the movement she looks like a a different a different person to me her mobility around the court and and just her her quickness of reactions i think is is completely different and that that that's the sort of improvement that can only come i think through through immense hard work and and dedication and um I think in your interview with um, with Cryan, he talks about sort of a change in her attitude and and making her become yeah. more professional off the court, and um, it's obviously paying dividends, isn't it? And there there is a diff there is an, a limit to what she's going to be able to achieve in terms of movement, isn't there? Because she's she's not Heather Watson, for instance, her compatriot, who doesn't possess the ball striking gifts that Robson does, but she's a natural mover. Some players are natural movers, and and one of the things that struck me when when I spoke to Lindsay Davenport in the the interview that we had on the the podcast during the U.S. Open was was that she was saying, "Listen, I wasn't a natural mover either. You know, you're never going to be." that sort of athlete but you, you can compensate for it you can get you can do you can do enough in order for your your weapons to come into play and, and Robson has weapons that's exactly it isn't it I mean obviously she needs to max out and and be as good a mover on the court as she can be but then she also needs to 
maximise her game in terms of realising that it's obviously not going to be about chasing down every ball. I mean, look at Maria Sharapova, another person who moves infinitely better than she did when she first came on tour. But still, she's no Kim Kleisters or Justine Annan or anything like that. And um, there she was winning the French Open. I mean, she had, she had her best results on clay yeah. this year. So, I mean... I, I don't think that's something that that needs to hold her back. No. Well, let's have a let's have a listen to to my interview with uh, Janka Cryan. It was for BBC Radio Five Live during the U.S. Open. I should should stress that it, it isn't the most recent interview with with Cryan. I mean, he I don't think he's been speaking too much since the U.S. Open. I think he prefers to keep a bit of a lower profile now, which I can understand. I think that that they just want to get on with it now. They've done their talking. Um, but this is this is an interview I did just. A a couple of weeks after he'd first started working with Laura Robson, it was it was on the eve of the Kim Clijsters match at the U.S. Open, and of course since then she's gone on to beat Kim Clijsters, Lee Na, and also posted this final result. But this is a Joko Kryan talking in New York a few weeks ago. Well, Joko, as the new coach of Laura Robson, um, how have you found the first few weeks of working with her? I'm pretty excited about the work, and it's a new challenge for me and. Uh, First, I was starting with the player that it's like younger at that stage where she is at that age, uh, being 18 years old and still like far away from reaching her potential. So there is still like it's a it's a very long process, but I'm very excited and it's a very very good challenge for me. And it's something that I was looking for to start as a new job, something challenging, challenging, and with a new player. I was going to ask, how did the association come about? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? It was the the management company of Laura and their parents that approached me after the Wimbledon and that's how we started to to get to know each other and to go into the process of and seeing how I can help her. And what do you, based on what you have seen so far, what do you think you need, or what do you want to bring to her game most of all? What do you think you can give her? I mean, what I saw until now, she's, as I said, she's very talented, she's a very big potential uh, and she's maybe, I would say, 30-40% of reaching her, her possibilities in tennis. So it's everything that comes not only the game on the court and the shots, but everything like around the sport, around the tennis and the discipline, and how you how you go around uh, around with it, and how you how much you give for this sport, and how much you fight for it, and that's how much you're gonna be rewarded in the end. So actually, how also to live a tennis life and as a tennis professional, who one day wants to be maybe a top ten and being at the position to win maybe a Grand Slam in a chance for it. So everything that comes around the tennis, just to to learn how to live as a tennis player and what what it means to be a professional tennis player. You mentioned that word discipline just there. I, I've spoken to a couple of players and read a couple of reports of, of your methods, of the way that you like to work as a coach, and discipline appears to be quite a big word for you. Okay, yeah, everybody's mentioning the discipline, but it's just, I mean, strict, but it's just that I'm ambitious, so I, I mean, I'm trying to be successful, I'm trying to make player be better and, uh, and to have a good result, so of course you have to be ambitious, and it comes with this, it comes that you have to be it doesn't mean only on the court, but as I said, around the court and how you how you live the life as a tennis player. You helped prepare a world number one player in Dinara Safina. Are there any similarities with Laura? It's it's. I don't think it's worth like comparing the, the the players and personalities. And I'm still like just two weeks, three weeks with Laura, so it's too early to say exactly like to compare to the other players. But every player is different. Dinara had her like strengths and uh, and how much you wanted it really the results and everything it just as i said i don't think it's it's smart just to compare compare the players each has their own strength and in terms of talent alone how good can laura be 
just seeing from the side, from the talented and potential side, I mean, she definitely is a top 10 potential. That's no question about it. But the further she's going to go and uh, the older she's going to be, it's going to be not dependent on the talent anymore. Just how much you're going to work for it and fight for it to be rewarded in the end. Well, Catherine, he sounds like a man to be reckoned with, doesn't he? Shelka Kryan. I mean, he he doesn't pull any punches. He, he, he was answering straight questions with straight answers. He's got a heck of a good stare on him. And he's got some fine tattoos as well on his uh, on his biceps. So I wasn't going to mess with him. Um, but uh, but also a very charming guy as well. Very, very affable. And, um, and I suspect just I mean obviously the results kind of speak for themselves I mean I think Laura Robson has done an enormous amount of work for herself hasn't she um, and with all the training staff uh, uh, that, that she has access to as well but it does appear that Jelko Kryan can add, add something a little bit extra I mean after all he's got the pedigree of having coached Dinara Safina to world number one another person with a similar game obviously not the best mover I think Laura Robson is a better mover than, than Dinara Safina was and I think really I do yeah do you, do you disagree with that no I don't, I don't know I mean I, I, I think that's uh, that seems to me quite a quite a stretch in, in that she was the world number one and she's you know, I, I think obviously other areas incredibly of, well, of well Safina's game trained. were far superior at this stage but Safina's movement was she had that same thing which Laura Robson um, has or is improving with I think is that looking a bit stuck in the mud you know that slightly slow reaction time do you know what I mean sort of just not able to turn so well or change direction or perhaps not so good not such good anticipation of where the ball's going to go I don't know whether you agree with that perhaps not <laughs> no as, 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 as a fellow who's uh, whose movement isn't the strongest part of his game in fact uh, I don't really have a game uh, but uh, as, as a bloke of six feet seven inches tall myself I know it's not that easy to move around when you're when you're tall and I mean Laura Robson now is what almost six feet tall um, she's and as you say Safina was was even taller but they can compensate for it uh, I mean, I dare say, Catherine, at this stage, there are a few of our listeners, and we have, I'm happy to say, we have tennis podcast listeners from, from all over the world, many in the United States, many in Australia, um, very all over the place. In, in fact, I saw we had listeners in Nicaragua and, uh, and Zambia and all, mm. all over the place. And I imagine a fair few of them are thinking, why are you talking about a, a British 18-year-old who's just got to 57 in the world? But, I mean, I think the fact is there are great hopes, really, with, in this country, aren't there, that this could, be, this could be a player for the future who could, who could go all the way. Yes, and I know we are a bit biased. We're British, obviously. However, I mean, it wasn't just the Brits that were talking about her in New York, was it? Everyone, you know, she was the, the surprising package the impact player of that tournament on the ladies side wasn't she so I think she is definitely one to watch for for you know the game on both sides on the men's and women's side is looking for new up-and-coming up-and-coming players you could say that's that's what it's lacking at the moment so I think it's exciting that you know some someone is showing real signs of potential um of coming through and it's perhaps too early to talk about top 10 but um it's it's certainly not out of the question is it so i i think everyone should be excited to you know fresh freshening up the game is um is a good thing it keeps everybody interested so 
Um, I think she's definitely one to watch and an exciting prospect. For yes, but football. how much should we be talking about this, Catherine? How much? At what point does talking about a player in this way become pressure? for that player the reason I ask is is um, another young player in fact the youngest I think I think I read the youngest player to win um, a single or to reach a singles final in something like seven years was a, a 16 year old from Croatia called Donna Vekic uh, a couple of weeks ago and this player this young player is coached by David Felgate um, uh, Tim Hemmons former coach and somebody that I've I've shared a commentary box with a number of times for Five Live and and who's always always made the point to me stop building these players up so early you know stop talking about them all the time for the for the merest little success they have at a young age because you know you you you're piling the pressure on them. they've just got to get on with their job and you know I, I respect David immensely both as a coach and and as a broadcaster I really enjoy um, being on air with him but it was interesting when when life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Uh, Robson was playing that match the other day in the final. He was the commentator on on British Eurosport, and and he you know he was asked the question by Chris Bradnam, you know how far, and it was I think it was during a during the end of set break, you know when they had the heat rule after the second set, and he said how far can Laura Robson go, and David was quite reluctant to go too far into it. I could tell because he didn't want to get into that game, and I, I can kind of understand it. I absolutely understand it to an extent. However, <laughs> I think in terms of British players, certainly, I mean, the ship has sailed, hasn't it? I mean, the pressure that was piled on Laura Robson four and a half years ago when she won junior Wimbledon, I mean, that was that was great enough. And, it, and if anything, 
I think when she had that run um, in New York, the the pressure was the spotlight was ever so slightly off her and more onto Heather Watson. You know, she was the one that had the run um, at Wimbledon. People were starting to think, oh, maybe Heather will be the one to to make the biggest strides in 2012. So, I think it's I think it's brilliant that there's two of them. I think that could be a very key thing to share that spotlight. You know, I've said this before on the tennis podcast. I think. Tim Henman would have been a brilliant British number two, but the poor guy was carrying, you know, was carrying the hopes of a whole nation. And um, you know, good on yeah. Andy Murray for for bringing those hopes um, to fruition on the men's side. But I think the fact that there's two of them, similar age, you know, competition between them, healthy rivalry, but friendship as well, um, sharing that spotlight, I think will be a crucial difference i'm not justifying the ridiculous amount of pressure applied to um to british players in this country i mean there's no doubt it's it's too much but um it would take an enormous agreement among um a huge number of media to um to for there to be any change in that i think it would take more than than richard felt than david felgate you know not not wanting to to make predictions about how far they're going to go, I think it would take, I think it would take a huge, a huge shift in perspective, which is highly unlikely to happen. So I'm afraid. Yeah, it's not going to happen. In fact, we're going to talk about it right now. How far is Laura Robson going to go, Catherine? Put you on the spot right now. Uh, I want to know how far she's going to go. Is she go- is she going to win a Grand Slam? Oh, I don't know. I I don't I don't feel um, confident enough at this stage to predict she's going to win a Grand Slam. I think that with the nature of the women's game and how and how much shifting there is of of the top players, I think she will make the top ten. There we go. I said it. How about you? I think she's going to win, make the top ten, and I think she's going to win a Grand Slam. Wow. Okay. There you go. I like it. That, that, I like that, it. That, that, that ranks up. That ranks up there with my predictions of uh, Serena Williams for the French Open title when she lost in the first round. Um, what else did I say? Um, there was Petra that classic Kvitova. of Petra Kvitova, yeah. wasn't there, for the US Open title, and uh, she plummeted in I think about the third or fourth round. Um, who did I say for the? Oh yeah, John Isner. He's going to reach the quarterfinals of the US Open, isn't he? Of course he is. He lost in the third round, but uh, eventually we did all right, didn't we? We got uh, we got Andy Murray and uh, Serena Williams right so i think we did all right but uh yeah i'm i I don't mind saying it i mean that's that's what i think is going to happen i mean there are no guarantees at all and um and i mean you know who who knows whether she might run into injuries i mean she's she's had a number of injuries already hasn't she um and and so forth but the talent is exciting and and added to that it's not just talent now because the way she played the last few weeks she showed real guts real fighting qualities she showed she wants to be out there and from what my colleagues tell me who who were over there uh, covering in china she was absolutely gutted to to not win that match mm. and and i think that that's a good sign as well um so there we have it uh, we've just added to the little bit of pressure um have, and yeah. we're as and guilty as although anyone. i have to say that the Maybe the tennis podcast isn't going to be the the biggest pressure that she ever has on her on her shoulders, but uh, there we but are. I do th- I do think that the um, one other thing I, I meant to say on the subject of Laura Robson is her her potential, uh, and uh, I think is demonstrated by the fact that my parents live over in Australia, and they were telling me that 
every time her name was mentioned during the uh, US Open coverage on Australian TV, it was preceded by the words Australian-born Laurel Robson. So uh, they're yeah, doing so their best bitter, to claim aren't her. They? Just because they're rubbish at cricket now, they can't <laughs> handle it. Exactly. Oh uh, yeah, well, um, I'm sure I'm sure they'll they'll get a player again eventually one of these days in in Australia. But we're doing all right in Great Britain. Thank you very much. Well, that's our chat about uh, Laura Robson done and dusted. We managed about 17 minutes on that. So uh, if you weren't interested in Laura Robson, I do apologise, but there we are. Um, we'll talk about other things now. Um, there has been a fair bit going on in the tennis world um, over the last couple of weeks since our US Open wrap-up. The Davis Cup was uh, was played, the semi-finals of that, and uh, the Czech Republic got through to face uh, Spain. And what an achievement that was by the Czech Republic to go to Argentina, Buenos Aires, and beat them in their own backyard on clay. Very impressive. Very impressive. Um, yeah, Thomas Burdich, um Actually, uh, yeah, he won both his singles matches and his doubles with Radek Stepanek. So um, that's uh, that. I don't know. Maybe maybe Davis Cup could have the impact on his career that um, that it had on Novak Djokovic's, Djokovic's career a well, couple of years that's ago. That's a good point, you know, because, I mean, Burdich, when he beat Federer at the US Open, a little bit like when he beat Federer at the Wimbledon a couple of years ago, you're thinking, this is it. This is Thomas Burdich coming of age. I mean, he's got the perfect physique for a tennis player. He's got brutal power, but easy power, sort of like Ernie Els in golf. Um, and you're waiting. You're waiting for him to, to, to put his name on the trophy. And yet, he ran into Wimbledon, to Nadal at Wimbledon, didn't he? And, and didn't put up the greatest showing in the final. And then he had that windswept match against Murray in at the US Open, and, and it all went wrong there as well. Um, but I think you might have a point there. You know, if, if anything is going to get Thomas Burdich really believing and, and digging in and getting that last percent out of himself maybe it's maybe it's the davis cup maybe if he wins the davis cup the way that Djokovic and tipsarovic did maybe it'll be the making of him yeah i i really think i really think you could be right i mean it's it's such fine margins at the top and he's got the game um and it's just that exactly as you say it's that it's that one percent isn't it it's almost that it's the indefinable quality of a champion isn't it which is um, it's missing at the moment and um, maybe something as inspiring as a Davis Cup win um, could be could be some it could be an achievement just to to flick a switch in his in his mind it could be an interesting one I noticed uh, in the Czech team didn't play but Lucas Rossell the man who beat Nadal the last man to face Nadal was was in the team he didn't play he hasn't had a very nice time since Wimbledon he hasn't won an awful lot of matches he lost in the third qualifying round at the US Open and um, I wonder whether we'll ever hear of him meaningfully again I mean you know it's it's it was the most spectacular victory imaginable um, and must go on our list of upsets somebody wrote that to us on Twitter at, at Tennis Podcast uh, the other day was saying you know that heard our discussion on upsets after that Serena Williams defeat at uh, the French Open and said you know Lucas Russell has to be right up there now um, but you know I wonder whether he ever will go any do anything else you could see him having another spectacular one-off victory over top player couldn't you the problem is he's going to have to qualify for, for the for the big events in order to have opportunities to get to get those wins so he's got to have a certain degree of consistency to put himself in those positions and consistency doesn't seem to be his middle name at the moment 
Do you know? Do you know who he's coached by? I do know who he's coached by. It's Slava Dosadel, isn't it? Slava Dosadel, yes, uh, a man who I knew many, many years ago, and uh, who who had the little uh, little thing of um, having a happy, smiling face stenciled on the strings of his rackets. Would you believe? That's brilliant. Imagine Love that. that. You know, you you're feeling a bit down in the dumps, so you stencil a smiling face on your racket. That's brilliant. I can think of a few players who could who could do with do with that technique. I think. Oh yeah, anybody in particular? <laughs> There's a few springing to mind. I don't know whether I can name them, but um, I think everybody no, you're, knows you're, you're, who you're everybody gonna... has got their own ideas of who I might be talking about. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and uh, since since the last podcast as well, we've had um, Andy Murray's homecoming, haven't we? Uh, he's gone back to Dunblane in Scotland, and uh, which I thought was a really nice touch. You know, I mean, he... He could have gone probably anywhere in the country. He could have gone to any glitzy film premiere as his first sort of public outing. And, and there he was in Dunblane in Scotland, greeting everybody back home. And good on him, I say. Oh, those images were brilliant, weren't they? I really loved it. And um, it, you, you're exactly right. It seemed perfectly apt, didn't it, that that was his, that was his homecoming. And I think it's, it's brilliant how... The uh, the public just seems to understand him now. He's always been a good guy, um, but the you know something hasn't clicked with the public, and it just seems like they get him now. You know the 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 qualities about him that he was that made people dislike him before or criticize him now now are considered his most most laudable qualities. You know him being him being a bit of a grump or you know being not expressive well, enough he doesn't mind taking the mick out of himself does he it, well it's now seen as you know that that fantastic british stiff upper lip and and i think that's right i think he de- deserves deserves all the positive coverage he's getting and um i'm really pleased for him i'm really really happy for him yeah no absolutely so, same here what about what about the rest of the uh the, the tennis world catherine is there anything else notable that's caught your eye over the past couple of weeks Quite a few things, actually, considering it's been, you know, relatively quiet following the US Open. I mean, I'd, uh, I was sad to see Australia lose um, in their World Group qualifying match because I know Leighton Hewitt was desperate to have another another shot at a, a World Group match. And he sadly lost both his singles matches there. And you've got to wonder whether um, how much longer he's going to continue for. We discussed that before. So I was, I was sad to see, um, you know, Davis Cup means so much to Hewitt, doesn't it? I was sad to see him um, see him lose both his singles matches and uh, and Australia go out there. Um, Martin Kleesan won an event in St Petersburg last week, and do you know what's significant about that? Yeah, no, I, I mean he had a bit of a run at the US Open. Did, I yeah. seem to remember Beat his, Songa, uh, his name coming up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he is and, the, uh, no, that's a great victory. But he's the first first time title winner on the tour this season. Coming in late September. Good stat. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I like that. You know what I was saying about yeah, Law no, Robson and, and the game needing up and coming stars to to come through. There does seem to be a bit of a lack of that, particularly in the men's game at the moment. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen that often these days that people make a real sort of splash out of nowhere. It doesn't you know people do have to come up a bit a bit more gradually these days. Yeah, I mean the 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 breakthrough age seems to be early 20s now whereas you know 10 15 years ago people were coming through in their late teens weren't they you had Leighton Hewitt won his first tour title at 15 didn't he and Andy Roddick was a you know was a teenager in the top 10 and you just don't seem to be seeing that so much in at the moment 
You, you mentioned Songa there, Catherine. He won. Uh, he won the title last week uh, as well, didn't he? Um, and I noticed he's now into eighth position in the um, in the the race for the ATP World Tour finals. God, it's I mean, tight it's, uh, though, isn't it? it's a it's a cracking lineup there. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I mean, if Nadal can just somehow get himself out there and and be be some somewhere close to fitness, I mean, they they are going to have a heck of a lineup at the O2. It's it's pretty much the dream dream lineup, I would say. There, if as the top eight as it stands at the moment, I think it, it'd be a shame if Janko Tipsarovic didn't qualify. But I mean, I'm just looking at the um, the rankings now from eight down to. Um, well, there's Richard Gasquet and Juan Monaco joint at, at number 12. I mean, there's 700 points between them. And certainly between um, Songa, Tips, Songa and Tipsarovic at 8 and 9, there's 150 points between them. So there's a lot to play for there in those last last few tournaments before the the world tour finals yeah well yeah we're we're into the asian swing now i mean there's uh, there's the t- tournaments in uh, bangkok and kuala lumpur this week and obviously shanghai the big uh, masters 1000 event coming up there plenty of points up for up for grabs there and i mean i i, I dare say andy murray will be trying to you know, make a, a proper concerted effort to try to get to number one. I mean, he, you know, he's it's it's there for for somebody to to go and take it. So, it's um it's going to be fascinating. I think the next few weeks, and we will we will be back here on the tennis podcast uh, every week to 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 bring you up to date as best we can, and we'll bring you bring you some big name interviews as well. Catherine's been talking to John McEnroe and Bjorn Borg and Mats Valander and Goran Ivanovic, and uh, we've also got some interviews with some. some great tennis journalists as well some of the real the real sort of long-serving tennis correspondents of the newspapers here in the uk we've spoken to neil Harmon of the times i've got richard evans uh, uh coming on in a few weeks time as well um who who's such a fantastic broadcaster and long-time tennis writer uh, and many more to come as well so hope you enjoyed uh, episode 13 of the tennis podcast we'll be back with you soon That's it for episode 13. We'll be back next week to talk about the latest developments in the Asian swing of tournaments, feature another interview, and I'll see if I can avoid making any further predictions. Don't hold your breath, though. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at Tennis Podcast, and thanks for listening to us. We'll talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.